Coming up on today's episode, it's a draft preview bonanza. We dive into the latest in Jets trade rumors, plus look at some first round options for Winnipeg. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, let's get right into it here. No time to waste so much to dive on into and we got to do it right off the bat here. Tyson's sneezing. He's ready to go. So let's go here, everybody. Hope you guys had a great weekend, and it's finally draft week. Only a couple days away from the hottest part of the NHL offseason officially getting underway here. I mentioned him there, but joining us once again is CJOB's Tyson Rewicki. Tyson, how we doing? How was the weekend? Great. Let's get right in. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. How are we doing today, Tyson? Oh, I'm doing great today. Who cares about the weekend? We're we're less than... I, I, don't, I can't even do math right now. Less than 46, 48 hours. 46 yeah. hours-ish? got to be something like that. <laughs> I love yeah, it. I'm so excited. This is one of my favorite times of the year. I just love everything about the draft. And, yeah, I'm just super excited. I hope all the all the deals that didn't happen this weekend are, start happening now because I don't think I can handle another, another couple cases where we're getting these leaks put out and then – nothing radio silence i know especially because now it's like we have to well who's leaking and why are they leaking why are these leaks coming why are all these teams so inadequate when it comes to protecting (laughs) states like it's everybody just kind of go loses it's like it's like charlie day and um the the meme from it's always sunny right where you have those like 500 different arrows pointing here 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 like the the post office yeah exactly yeah exactly so i'm just ready to go and i think I think Tuesday, we're recording this, it's uh, 9.50 p.m. on, on Monday night. I mean, Tuesday is going to be an absolute, it's going to be insanity. I, I think I think Tuesday is going to be crazier than the actual day of the draft. I think that's where we're going to see a, a ton of movement happen. And uh, maybe the big one, you know, the one that we'll spend a large majority of the episode getting into here. Um, but enough about what could happen. And when it'll happen, we'll get to all that, and we'll we'll talk more specifically where the Winnipeg Jets stand when it comes to some of their big name guys. Um, but let's quickly, you know, a ton to get into here, Tyson. But we still got time for trivia. I've actually walked into a few different people over the last couple of weeks, and they've all been fans of it. Maybe they're just being nice to. They're probably just being nice to me. <laughs> but at the very at the very least, the people in my neighborhood. Tell me to my face that they like the trivia, so we'll we'll keep it going here. Um, and I'll, I'll make this nice and quick for us again because there's lots to get into. Um, I mean, the trade, it's kind of funny. I, I don't know about you, Tyson. Do you forget the Jets have a first-round pick? I, I did. I did <laughs> until looking into some potential moves yeah well, well yeah, yeah we'll, they, do, they do have we'll get into them but yeah it's like oh yeah they have they're they're gonna draft somebody they're gonna draft at least one person maybe in the first round schedule to draft somebody in the first round um so without further ado i'll give you three quick uh trivia questions here tyson of course the draft coming up let's do a little bit of winnipeg jets draft trivia all right let's do it question numero uno and this is kind of a select all that applies or name all that apply. How many 
seventh round picks can you name that Kevin Shiveldayoff has made as Jets GM? Oh boy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I like Jason Kasdorf. Nice. I didn't know if you'd be able to pull that one. Oh no, no, I'm sorry. He was a sixth. What? That's a tough break. That was a good. Um, yeah, that was a, that was a good call by you. Kasdorfs are uh, the Kasdorfs and Rewikis have uh, quite the relationship, right, Jason? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Just positive. A, a couple, we should say positive. Yeah, couple moving parts. Yeah, couple moving parts there. <laughs> but um, was Kovacevic a seventh rounder? No, I'll double. I think he was a, a fifth. But keep thinking here. Man, third third round pick. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with the buzzer there. I mean, it's a tough one. I, I, the one that I thought you'd get, the one that I I, I knew at least, uh, Sammy Niku. Ah, oh, yeah. Sammy Niku, of course, free Sammy. Um, and then I knew the just because I I checked out his numbers a little while ago. Um, Dom Divincentis. Oh, that's, the, a good, uh, the, that's a good seventh round pick. Yeah, yeah, he's been great. The the Jets very quietly had an amazing draft last year. Um. Obviously, Lambert being the, the headline of that. But, I mean, they were pretty damn good all throughout there. Uh, but those were kind of the only ones that I – and I thought Kazdorf too, but he's a six-rounder. Um, I won't get into all the seventh-rounders that they picked there. But, unfortunately, Tyson, you went over on that one. Let's see if you can make it up here. And we're going to kind of trick you with this one. We all know who the first Winnipeg Jet drafted is, right? Like, we know the first draft pick of Jets 2.0, Mark Shafley. Can you name the second draft pick? So, <laughs> Brandon, why? And I'll, I'll, I'll be transparent. I thought I knew it 1,000%, but I was incorrect. Would it be Nick Patan? No, no. You're a couple years behind on that one. It was just straight up Adam Lowry. Really? Third, yeah, they didn't have a second round pick that that year. Exactly, and I thought I thought it was because uh, I knew who their first second round pick was. It was Lucas Sutter, who um, infamously never. I don't even never mind NHL games. I don't know if he ever played a pro game. Like <laughs> he he kind of was out of hockey right off the. I mean that was just not a. Not, 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 not the way you want to start off your second round history if you're Kevin Shevelday off there. But I, th- I thought Sutter was in the initial draft year, but he was uh, one year after that. So yeah, they went. They didn't have a second round pick. Atlanta somehow doesn't have a second, like so bad, and they trade away a second round pick. Uh, but it went Shifley and Lowry, pretty damn good one two punch to start off the franchise there. And then it was Brennan Serville from Stoufville, who was their third round pick. Uh, right after Adam Lowry that year. Um, don't know if uh, anybody's, a, we got Stin and Soupful fans out there or not, but uh, if you want to absolutely destroy everybody in trivia, Stin and Soupful was the third pick in Jets 2.0 history. All right, over to, let's see if you can come through in the clutch here, Dice. Which Jets draft class has the most NHL games played? Oh, so and, and this isn't, just as Winnipeg Jets. So it's the draft class, the entire class, most NHL games played within that draft class. Oh, boy. 
And you could just give me like whoever the first round pick was that year. It's probably the easiest way to, to sort it out. Well, I want to. I'm going to go 2012 with Jacob. Tru- that was the Jacob Trubert year, correct? Yes, it was. Final answer? Yes. Ooh, I'm so sorry, Tyson. You're one year off. 2013. 2013. The Morrissey year. Although, the, I mean, Truba, Truba and Hellebuck combined for over 1,000. They, they had 1,100 games. Scott Kosmachuk was the only other guy to get a game out of that draft class. Um, hilariously, 2011 was second. All of it coming from Shifley and Lowry. <laughs> and then one from Jason Kasdorf. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, the Josh Morrissey draft. Morrissey, Patan, Comrie, Cop in the fourth round was the big one there. And then you have Tucker Pullman and J.C. LaPon rounding things out there. But that was the most successful draft class for the Jets when you take into account NHL games played. All right. 0 for 3. Go work, Tyson. Let's see if you can pick it up here when we talk some actual hockey, okay? Yeah, the pressure's on now, all right? Those are such rabbits to pull out of nowhere. Yeah, those were pretty those were pretty rough ones. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. Um We'll see you. Let us know how many of you guys got right out there, everybody that's listening, if you're able to beat Tyson's score. Although, to be fair, Tyson, the only one I would have got correct, I think, was the – the I, I knew a couple seventh-rounders for the Jets. I don't know <laughs> if I would have picked I, – I might have picked the um, the Cal Connor class, knowing yeah. that it's Connor Roslovic and, and Jansen Harkins. Um, but they were just like a handful games short compared to the, uh, to the Morrissey class, obviously, with it being a couple years after them there. Um, we'll see if the Winnipeg Jets can maybe set a new benchmark with their draft class in 2023. Or maybe, like Tyson insinuated a little bit earlier, maybe they don't make a whole lot of picks, and this is one of the lowest games played draft classes in club history. We'll see where this goes. I don't think it's going to be as bad as... Uh, there, there's some there's some rough ones out there. I don't think it's going to be the worst in, uh, in franchise history. But let's get right into it, Tyson. I mean, plenty, plenty. I mean, the Jets... To me, it's the Jets, Flyers, and, and Flames that are the three biggest newsmaking teams right now in the NHL, I, I would probably argue. And everybody's just waiting on, on Winnipeg to that first domino to fall and then what happens after that. And we're pretty close to that really getting underway. It might happen Tuesday. I expect it to happen by the time the first round gets underway on Wednesday. Um, but let's get into the big rumor. The big news around the Winnipeg Jets and their core four and who could be on the market here. Obviously, Pierre-Luc Dubois, one of the biggest names across the entire NHL since the offseason got underway as to who could potentially be on the way out. I mean, the destination hasn't changed all that much, but we're getting some actual intel on this. And so if you missed any of it, if you've been under a rock over the past 48 hours, as of now, the latest intel we have is that the LA Kings remain the front runner for Pierre-Luc Dubois services. But surprisingly, the Canadian aren't out of this just yet, according to multiple insiders. So it seems like it's a clear one, two right now. And um, I mentioned the avalanche earlier, Tyson, as a potential destination. And they were actually in on PLD, but pivoted to, to Ryan Johansson for Zippo. Uh, so it looks like it's L.A., Montreal, or bust right now for PLD. And it also appears like we know the general parameters around the return 
for a Dubois trade from the Kings. It appears to be some combination of young 20, how old? 23, 24? I got his thing 20, up here. 23 right now. I think he's going to be 24 in August. Boom. Tyson's right. Young Gabe Villardi is the centerpiece of the trade from the Jets' perspective. So it would be PLD, Gabriel Villardi. It sounds like Alex Ayafalo, either Ayafalo or Arvidsson, but all signs point to it to being winger Alex Ayafalo, 29-year-old, uh, for salary cap purposes, and then some pieces mixed in here and there. Sounds like Jansen Harkins might also be going to L.A. in this proposed deal. Montreal, we have no idea. <laughs> Which is, it's, it's tough to, you know, talk about what the Habs could do because we all know Chevy wants Kirby Doc. Montreal is saying, can we give you spare parts? Nobody's really close to agreeing on anything. And that's why they sit in the uh, second spot behind the LA Kings right now. Thoughts, Tyson, on just where things are situated right now. And would a package of... Velarde, Ayafalo, and a couple complimentary pieces. Have you feeling pretty good about that kickstarting the Jets offseason in a Pierre-Luc Dubois trade? Well, just to start things off, I think you and I both agree on this, that this Montreal rumor that came out earlier today is probably a leak from the Winnipeg Jets side. Yeah! Maybe, <laughs> maybe trying to get... Like going, hey LA, we just got a we just got a new offer from Montreal. Oh, yeah, and I mean, I I would hope, and to go off of that, I would hope that Chevy's doing that because he does not like the deal that's currently constructed from from LA, and I I honestly agree with him. I'm really not that big of a fan of Gabe Lardy. Okay, I think let that- me let me jump in quick. Let me just jump in quick, Tyson, um, because I do want to mention this before we talk about. Velarde and, and whatever else is going on with LA. Uh, the Athletic kind of did like a recent update about the whole situation. And you mentioned Chevy potentially leaking. Hey, Montreal's interested. If you want to, if you want your man, LA, let's up that offer a little bit. The one caveat that was presented was Montreal wanted Kirby Doc last offseason, but didn't have the resources to pull a trade off. They then got creative, sending Romanov to the Islanders for the 13th overall pick and then use that asset to get Kirby Doc out of Chicago. There was some thought that maybe Montreal could potentially do something similar to that in this deal where it wouldn't be somebody that's on their team right now, but they essentially go out, acquire an asset, then use that asset to get PLD to Montreal. How likely is that? I'd be shocked if they did that two years in a row. But there is precedence for it at the very least. So I just I wanted to throw that out there for people wondering, well, why is Montreal even being involved in this when they don't have what the Winnipeg Jets are looking for? They don't have that just yet. That could potentially be on the way to Winnipeg in the next 24, 48 hours. But Velarde is not on your sweetheart list, Tyson. Why, why would that be? I, I just think that for you're trading a guy like Dubois and while there's a bunch of cons to Dubois' game as well. There's he is also a sixty point guy at least. Like we know that that's his his floor. You could say, especially going to a team like L.A., where you know you just get more opportunities. And once you get into a place where you sort of 
are more comfortable being in than maybe perhaps Winnipeg. You could see those numbers go up. You could see an attitude change. You could see a more consistent level of play on the ice. But I'm just really concerned about trading for a guy. And he's only played 140 games. And part of that is because he has major injury concerns, which is also one of the reasons why I'm not overly keen on that, on him being, you know, a centerpiece of a LA package. But this past season, he scored 10 goals in the first 15 games. That's a quarter of his NHL. That's a quarter of the goals that he scored in the NHL in his career. And where and it, I I get that there's, there's other circumstances that go into it with, with ice time and everything, but you can even look, after he went on that 15-game stretch of getting 10 goals at the beginning of last season, he saw an uptick in his ice time. And from that point, there was just a steady decrease. The minutes started to go down every month. It was a minute less and then a minute less. And near the end of the season, he's playing 14 and a half minutes. Some nights he was playing 13 minutes. And I just, for a team like LA, where they they needed some extra scoring there too. And trying to rely on that guy coming in and being like, Hey, you're the, you're our top line center. Now, like you're going to be the guy that who's, who's going to carry the load offensively for this team. And I'm not even sure if he can be a center when, when, when it's all said and done. And I just have some real reservations on, and obviously we don't know what the whole trade package is, right? That there could be a couple more pieces from Winnipeg going over a couple more pieces coming back from, from LA. But if to me, if the, if the deal is mostly centered around Gabe Velarde, Alex, I have, I follow, and then some, some minor pieces. And I'm going to say minor, including like, let's say a second round pick or a B or a B level prospect. I just don't, I don't feel great taking that because it's also, it's sort of that one foot in one foot out approach. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I follow and Velarde are going to be playing for you this year, but, on ice value, are they really going to bring you what Dubois, Dubois brings? And then you're not really getting the most attractive assets that you that could potentially that you could potentially hit on in the future. I just I have some real concerns about that. And I, to me, if that's if that's a package that LA is giving you, and you're kind of pigeonholed as is because Dubois said I'm either going to play in LA or Montreal, then I just start a bidding war with the teams that would want to pay Dubois for one year and get a rental for him. You're telling me there's not that if you had seven teams going up against each other that you couldn't get a first and something else. If you went to Colorado right tomorrow and you said, "Hey, look, you and I both know that you're not signing them next off season. How would you give us your first round pick this year and a guy, a youngish guy that you don't see fitting into your long term plans?" And I think that's, I honestly think that's a similar value there. And so that's where I'm not totally overly optimistic about this Dubois trade. Yeah, I I do get what you're saying. Like, if they, I think if Chevy, if he didn't decide to work with Pat Brisson on this, essentially, and say this is in in essence a sign and trade, that maybe your futures package would carry more value than than what the Jets are currently looking at right now, which is like a mixture of a future and present, right? So I, that 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 does make sense, and that. I think there, there's almost two different questions here, right? Like it's it gets into again. Should the Jets be going full rebuild, or should they be trying to thread that needle right now of you know getting younger but still finding a way to be competitive? Um, 
I'm still I still have my doubts that they're going to be able to to do that, you know, be competitive um, just because I wonder what they're going to be able to pull off for Hellebuck and Shifley uh, that that, you know, is going to play a massive, massive part in, in how effective this team is going to be for this upcoming season. So like, there, there's, there's that part of it there. Then the other part is just, you know, how how it comes down to, I guess, what you think of Gabe Velarde's ceiling as an, an NHL player. And it's funny because you dug into it there and you were kind of like, eh, not so hot on this one anymore. I dug into it and I'm actually like, eh, he might not be that bad. <laughs> this this might be this might be a bit of a player for the team. Now I'm I'm not, I'm not gonna say the Jets get Velarde and basically you swap Dubois for Velarde and everybody's happy and and, and nobody notices a change. I I don't think I would go that far. The big thing being, I don't know if he's going to be a winger or a centerman. Like he's, he played pretty exclusively on the wing for the Kings last year. Has the capability at the very least to maybe be a pivot for you down the middle. But that that to me is a major, major red flag right now. But there are a few intriguing parts of his game that make him, I think, a little more intriguing than than what you're labeling out there, Tyson. I mean, look, yeah. Got off to the hard start. There's there's no doubt about that. Had the struggle afterwards, getting a decent amount of ice time, taking a look at it. He had that 10 goals in 15 games, like you said. Then went on a four-point in 17-game slump. So he did fade a little bit after that hot start there and given a little more responsibility. Didn't find a way to, to carry that over throughout the season. But I would counter that, Tyson, with the fact that, you know, once the games got harder at the end of the year, the kid found a way to turn up his game and the production started to come back a little bit. If you take a look since the calendar turned over to March, one, two, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine points in his final 10 games, Tyson, when scoring is supposed to be drying up down the stretch in the regular season. And then he followed that up with four points in five playoff games. He's a star. Four points in five points. No, but I mean, like, I think that's part of the values of being a young guy at the NHL level, too. Maybe his first, you know, full, close to an 80-game NHL season at the very least there. And I think I think he showed well, right? Like, I mean, there's going to be peaks and valleys. There's, there's no doubt about it. But I do like the fact that he ended the year on a bit of a hot note and then carried that over into his first postseason action as well. The main reason why... I like Velarde a lot more than I might have a couple of weeks ago, Tyson. And I kind of jokingly said this to my neighbor when when talking about it. But after I said it, I was like, yeah, this is kind of right. It'll be nice to not have to teach defense to a forward for once. (laughs) This guy is a pretty high-end defensive player. Now, again, the rub in that is that he did majority on the wing this past season as opposed to down the middle. But I do think that because he's capable of playing center that, you know, what you put him down the middle there. And I, I, he may not be a selkie guy, but I think at the very least he's going to hold his own defensively and be an above average guy for the team in that regard. So it's nice that you get a guy that's got a little bit of offensive punch some potential could maybe mold into a high end second line center. Um, with some defensive responsibilities to go along with it. But that, that to me, is another part why I really like this potential package or maybe th- why it might be better than it looks on the surface is that you're getting a guy that's got some solid offensive chops. But defensively, and especially by some of the analytics you look at there, he's he's no slouch. Like, he's legitimately 
a pretty strong guy in his own right in his own end and lord knows that bonus maurice whoever's been here the past couple of years having a guy that knows what he's doing back there is something that we can all agree is a massive massive breath of fresh air to this team yeah wasn't he ranked like something like the, the 99 percentile on off of the athletics player cards right for like defensively something like that yeah 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 like, and so there are some I, i'm just the thing i worry about the most is just having a team with a bunch of decent guys a bunch of guys who are just decent it's definitely not the home run package Right, and that's and this is where we t- we mentioned so much about with a Hellebuck trade and even a Shifley trade, and now with this these Dubois rumors, kind of putting yourself in a position where you're you can't get the best return possible, just because you've limited yourself by saying we want to contend this year and we want to we want to still be able to have the opportunity to make the playoffs this year, and I sort of I, I just. It's something about it that just bugs me and where I could just see this team ending up finishing in 10th place again in the West. And this yeah. like this this is what this is, that's what concerns me the most is that this is just another it's another trade just to keep you in the same spot that you've been in the past couple of years. And yeah, I just I, I I can't disagree with that necessarily. Like I I don't know, I guess here's the thing Tice. Like so look, if it's a home run package it's Quinton Byfield. Like, let's let's be honest. If if LA's not giving him away, like, what what can you do? Right, and that, that's the thing with where you're working with, you know, working with Brissois, and he's saying, "Hey, it's one of these two teams," and that's where I don't mind the idea of just going. You know what? Your your guy has just screwed us over. Like, ever since he's been here, we don't care. We're, let's, we're going to start a bidding war with a bunch of other playoff teams, and you're going to have to sit there for a year. And I think, and because you're going to tell me that a Pierre Luc Dubois signed to, and I mean, I did see some things where LA might potentially have to sign oh him to a gosh. one year contract extension first, where that's like, yeah, you're going to trust this Good guy. Good luck to, with that. Yeah, exactly. But let's say he does kind of come with a full long term extension. Do you really think that's worth? That's what's worth for a 65 guy entering his prime, 65 point guy entering his prime as a power forward with some physical attributes. Like I just don't think that's anywhere close to what you should be getting for him. So like, that's that's where my concerns come in. It's not necessarily that I don't like like the players. I don't necessarily love Gabe Velarde, and I think the main concern is that injury history because he does get injured literally every single season he has not had yeah yeah he hasn't had a season where he hasn't played a full schedule of games and so i just think there's i think there's some major concerns there and i think la is happy i think they're happy giving up that package for dubois and that's yeah yeah i I mean that's also part of it too if i'm la i mean i like i don't know if dubois is my main target for that like if, if hey if I it's Fiard Velarde I follow and something else is kind of like my premier package that I can give up. I think you're fine with doing that. I just don't know if Duval would be my number one target to do that. Um, the the one thing I do want to know is just and and I guess we'll find out once the trade does or or doesn't happen is just how how close was Dubois for Byfield happening? Like was yeah. it a matter of the Jets? wanting something else on top of it 
Was it just L.A. saying no, like we're going to have to work a deal around that? Because if the Jets had an opportunity, like a legitimate opportunity to have Byfield in this trade, even if it was just one for one, that would be an insane – like that would piss me off. That that would get me like 100% off this bandwagon right now because that to me is the the home run swing that's that's worth making even though you could be, you know, doing the spin and, and whiffing on the pitch – uh, because there's no guarantee that Byfield will be a number one center. But if you hit, oh boy, do you ever hit a bonanza with that one. Um, so that's one of my main intriguing questions surrounding this deal right now. Then the other one is just, what's Montreal's best offer? Yeah. And I think I think the answer to that is they don't have that person on their roster right now, which is kind of what fascinates me about this. Quickly, Tyson, let's do this in 30 seconds. Right now, would you rather do the L.A. package with Gabe Velarde or would you rather do a Montreal mystery package with something that they, that they don't have yet? Ooh. I, I'd probably have to stick with the L.A. package. I, 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 wrong, without wrong. Send him to Arizona. That was the correct <laughs> answer there. No, I, I probably agree. I, I just I don't think Montreal's out of this just yet. The other one... Because I, I, I'm going to be shocked if this trade goes through that what we've been hearing isn't in some semblance of the package that gets sent. If the main pieces are Filardi and Ayafalo for Dubois, what do you give the Jets for a trade grade on that move? Let's see. Partially because, partially I mean, you kind of didn't have much else to do. I mean, I'll give a B-. minus. Little B minus, yeah. I think a B is fair. Yeah, like it's they're, they're tough circumstances. Although you could say Chevy put himself in this circumstance, but you're getting decent value for a guy that kind of forced your hand a little bit there. I, yeah, I, it's not the home run just yet, but we'll see if maybe I, I there's some madness to come. I do think that you should be extracting a little more value by taking back I follow too, and I think by do by taking back I follow and giving up Harkins as well on top of that plus it's there's we've seen some stuff floated around about logan stanley potentially being a part of a package as well if you're taking out a follow back and you're giving up harkins and you're giving up stanley too there needs to be a first round pick in there we'll see I, we'll and, see what happens like we're getting close to byfield territory if we're, we're going to keep throwing assets to get la so maybe exactly. throw, throw us a bone a little bit here Uh, But we should get an answer on that in uh, just a couple of hours, at the very least. Uh, A couple of days, we'll find out where he's going and what the Jets are going to be getting back in return. Um, Let's pivot to a few other of the big names, Tyson. Are you surprised at how quiet it is around Hellebuck and Shifley right now? Uh, Yes and no, mostly because I just feel like this is they're putting all their efforts into getting this deal done, this Dubois deal, as soon as possible. And, you know, it could be quiet because they've got something ready on the back burner and they just need to get this trade done. And then they can finally be like, all right, we get we we got this Dubois trade down. We took a look at our team a little bit and this is the move we want to make. And I mean, that could be a possibility, too. It does. It is a little bit worrisome because this draft is so stacked and you're and you have these these prime trade assets that a bunch of teams are going to want. And I would I I. If you're trading these three guys, like you got to get at least a first round pick back from one of them. I yeah, I mean borderline for each of them. Yeah, exactly. 
Now, depending on what you get back, obviously, but that's kind of the going rate is prospect first round pick roster player. So we'll see how that plays out here. I mean, if I'm to make a guess, I think Shifley is going to be the one that happens the furthest into the offseason. I think there is. If they get the Dubois trade done early Tuesday, Tyson, I'm not going to be shocked if we see Connor Hellebuck moved ahead of the the draft getting started on Wednesday. Because I think the Jets do want to get that first round pick in this year's draft. I think that's vital. And I mean, the other part of it too, if you don't move Hellebuck right at the start of the offseason here, Gibson goes, maybe Hart goes, another guy goes, right? Like all of a sudden you're losing leverage, you're losing value. There's not too many holes to be filled and open with uh, the goaltending carousel. This is something the Jets are going to have to find a way to get over the finish line soon. If it's Dubois first, then Hellebuck, well, get Dubois done pretty quickly here so we can (laughs) find a new home for 37. Um, And I guess the final little bit of news, kind of surprised it hasn't happened already, to be honest. Are you expecting Blake Wheeler to be bought out? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) you're seeing what some of these guys are going for. I mean, basically, teams retaining three to four million are getting like literally nothing back. Well, yeah, like even that Johansson trade is literally uh, Galchenyuk's contract. Like that's literally nothing. Pending UFA, who they're not, right? Like, so it's nothing. Um, and I would imagine that, you know, Colorado values a guy like Johansson to be their second line center at a higher rate than than somebody like Blake Wheeler, who at this point, more like a solid third line winger, right? So I just don't, I just can't envision a scenario. I th- teams are going to value cap space more than ever right now. And I just don't think they're going to find a way to fit a Blake Wheeler into the mold there. So I think we're going to see a buyout happen sooner than later. And again, I just, I do not understand this. We have to honor Wheeler's legacy in Winnipeg. But we can't buy him out. Why? Like I, th- that that whole discourse is just so bizarre to me. So many guys get bought out now that it's it's just it's not the embarrassment or shame that it might have been a handful of years ago. And again, it gives Wheeler and his family a chance to pick and choose where they want to spend the next year or two of their lives. Right? Like, to, yeah. to me, it's the ultimate win-win. And if he wants to make more, if he if his main goal is making money. He can sign the biggest contract wherever. If he wants to win a cup, he can go sign with whatever team he wants for a million dollars a season. You're giving him as many options as possible as opposed to trying to shoehorn him into a spot. Hey, Buffalo can take you at $4 million. Well, I don't really want to go there. Like It's just, it's it's always been goofy to me. I think there's nothing wrong with buying out Blake Wheeler. And then, you know, once his career is over, retirement jersey rap all that stuff is going to happen and even after the buyout give him a nice video whatever it is but no no shame in buying the guy out it's just business man this is this is pro sports um i think everybody's yeah. going to be just fine uh, like i think like wheeler's going to get over that in about 30 seconds i want to honor we need to honor wheeler for t- tearing this locker room apart and making too much money and so we should trade him to we should trade him instead of Biden. like who cares like like who like that's all that's all i'm gonna say who cares about that that would that would be an unreal press release (laughs) (laughs) if that's how it started off there uh man it's it's gonna be a wild 48 hours here i mean there's a very real possibility that three of the four guys are going to be somewhere else and uh we'll see what the jets are going to do 
And we'll see if they make any other first round picks here as well on Wednesday night. And that's where we'll pivot to, to wrap up the episode here again, kind of forgot the jets have a first round pick this year. As of right now at number 18 overall, could add one, I would imagine, in the latter half of, of the first round of this year's draft. Um, let's focus first and foremost on number 18 before we talk about maybe guys that could be a tweener pick end of the first, early second round. I guess first off, Tays, just quickly, the Jets are going to keep 18, right? I don't know. I honestly don't know. Because what what happens if the Jets get another first round pick in one of these trades and all of a sudden they're picking, let's say 23rd or 24th. I don't know. I don't know what team, what teams yeah, have yeah. those picks. So it's not like, but, and then we saw there's some rumors there too. A trade fell through in the league with a central division rival in St. Louis. Oh, that's right. You know what? Sorry. I totally forgot to bring that up. Thank you. I even wrote it down. I'm just so, I'm so tired. I'm so tired all the time with a newborn. Um, Travis Sanheim. Obviously, you mentioned there the trade that fell through with St. Louis. Kind of like it might be resuscitated still. Um, but then so kind of surprisingly, the Winnipeg Jets have been, I think Winnipeg and Calgary have been the two teams mentioned as potential Sanheim destinations. So if we take a look at, I guess, the, the rumored St. Louis deal, it sounds like it was Krug and a first for Travis Sanheim. Roughly, we'll see. The Winnipeg Jets could then offer, I don't know, Neil Pionk an 18 for Travis Sanheim? Or Schmidt? Okay, Pionk or Schmidt. Either let's either one of those. Would would you jump on that if you're Chevy? I, I probably would. I, I mean Travis really? Sanheim. He he didn't have a great season last season, but he's no, I, he did not. <laughs> but he's he's a prime bounce back candidate, in my opinion, on a new team. And the contract, like you are taking on a fully signed eight year deal when, once you make that trade that kicks it on July first. And but I wouldn't if Travis Sanheim hit the open market this off season, I feel like he would get pretty close to six million. Because didn't Damon yeah. Severson just get six point two five? It would be, yeah. He, I mean, he didn't do himself any favors, but you're probably like ultimately you're probably right, right. And for a team that struggles to get guys to to stay long term here, if you could get Travis Sanheim and he bounces back to the way that he was playing two seasons ago, all of a sudden you have a second you have a second pairing D man that you can rely on to play legitimate minutes behind Josh Morrissey, and then it's just about plugging those two right handed spots on the in the top four for the Jets. And it, and then you have them for eight years. Like, so you have a hometown boy for eight years, and you're able to to kind of market him in that sense. But the only way I'm doing that is that if you have another first-round pick on hand. I, like, I don't ah, think... I see, I see. Like, let's say from this in this Dubois trade, you get LA's first next year. And or like New maybe, Jersey's first in a Hellebuck trade, right? right like or something... What, yeah, something like that. And all of a sudden, the trade goes from getting that first to adding Sanheim in that deal. So let's say you go to New Jersey and you get a Dawson Mercer, Sharon Govich prospect and a pick. And all of a sudden, you turn that pick into Travis Sanheim right away. I feel like that that's a little bit more intriguing where all of a sudden it's like if the if if your ultimate goal is to still make the playoffs this year, I almost feel like you have to make that move. 
you, you kind of sold me on that one a little bit. I mean, it's funny. So I'm like, I, I like to think of myself as somebody that's very analytically inclined. But there's something about Sanheim that turns me into a caveman. Like there's <laughs> something like I, I'm fully aware that the numbers under the hood look very strong for him outside of this past season, which nobody in Philly had a great season essentially this year. He's performed at essentially like a number two, number three level for the majority of his NHL career. I get that. I cannot stand watching him play hockey. It drag people will always like the oh Torres hates this guy. Tor- I am full on Tortorella when I watch Travis Sanheim play. He is just so passive, so timid, so soft. I don't know. When I saw the Flyers were close to making that deal with St. Louis, I was my initial thought was just they can get this guy out of here. Sign me up for that. So I don't know. That's just from my perspective. I mean, maybe the Flyers have. I mean, the Flyers have broken me, but maybe they just like broken my ability with some of their players. I have major skepticism about him as a a legit high end guy. But I guess if you're getting out of either Pionk or Schmidt's contract there, then it's really not all that bad, right? It, the, the only other problem with that is it, it creates, I mean, it further emphasizes the logjam on the left side there. And it, it makes Dylan Sandberg either a third pair defenseman for all of eternity, or you hand him a right-handed stick and say, try to figure this out if you want to play 20 minutes a night, let alone the Chisholm, Hainala, right? Like that's, that's one of the other issues that are going to have to be figured out for the Jets. And then obviously Brendan Dillon would have to be moved at that point as well. So you sound on board with it. I'm a little bit, I don't even know on the fence. I, I, I wouldn't be jumping through hoops if that one happened, but I do kind of, I mean, I like the idea of targeting guys like Sanheim where it's a seven, eight year contract in the books and there's no, no trade clause for them to waive it against you. So I, I, I don't know if he's the guy that I'd be looking at, but somebody that has a similar sort of protection set, I'd be okay with there. Um, Quickly now, let's pivot Tyson towards prospects in the future for this team. Let's assume the Winnipeg Jets keep pick number 18. Is there somebody in and around the teens in terms of prospects that you'd be looking at? Maybe like a, I don't know, two or three names. I mean, the one thing I will say, he's not going to fall to the Jets, unfortunately. But wherever he ends up going, I... I, (laughs) I think Zach Benson's going to be a superstar. I know people in Winnipeg have seen him for the past couple of seasons. Sounds like he might sneak into the top 10, but maybe that 11, 12, 13 range. I don't know if there's six guys that I'd be taking ahead of this kid. I mean, he, I, I just think when I watch him play and when I look at videos of him, to me, I see Mitch Marner. I see Brad Marchand. I see... Braden point out there on the wing. He's a freaking player, man. And if the I, Jets want to find a way to trade up to get him, I don't care. Sign me up for that one. I am all in on the Zach Benson hype train. Just too bad he's not going to be around for Winnipeg. I, I honestly think that's GMs throwing out some smoke screens and hoping that that they can try and get Zach Benson to drop to them. I, I really do. Oh, I, okay. I I just don't see how that many teams. And the NHL can be that stupid to pass on this guy. Like that's what I, I just that's where I don't get it. I think I agree with you. I loved Zach Benson as a prospect, and 
I forget what I I don't remember the exact stat, but it was like a point stats going back to when Benson and Bedard entered the WHL. And obviously Bedard has quite a few more points than Benson, but Benson has a lot more points than whoever is below him. It's, and it's crazy. Not even yeah. Close. So I I agree with you. I love Zach Benson's style. And I do still think that he goes top ten. I think he I think he's able sure. to 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 squeeze in there. But a name that I'm hoping does drop to the Jets, being realistic, I I would love Oliver Moore on this team. No, well, well, good. Guess what, Tyson? That's probably a good bet to make. And the bet to make might be the Winnipeg Jets select from the U.S. National Development Team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I Oliver Moore is the guy that I really hope falls. Uh another like a guy who I could see going around that range, maybe just before Brandon Yeager. I think that he's he's a guy. He's a guy that has a lot of. He's just a guy who I can 100% see being an NHL player, whether that's being that stud that stud first-line player or a guy who's reliable on the third line and can chip in a couple goals every now and then and still produce his, his own offense. I think Jaeger would be a very solid piece to add to this team. And a guy that I'm kind of looking a little bit later in the draft is a right-handed defenseman, Oliver Bonk. Oh, the shutdown just, man! Just the the just a great name too, and an absolutely fantastic name. And he's playing. I believe it's. I believe he's playing for London right now, and you know, so you're already getting acclimated to to some North America there. So, yeah, those are kind of the three guys who I'm who I'm looking at for the Jets around yeah. eighteen. I would say all great picks if they end up falling to Winnipeg. I mean, Moore is the best skater in the draft, so. If you like your guys fast, then more is definitely going to be your favorite pick there. A couple guys that I'll throw too. It's always tough. Like, I mean, Nate Danielson, for example, is extremely divisive. Um, <laughs> even the two athletic scouting guys, uh, Wheeler has him at number 20 in his report. And then Corey Promen has him at number seven. So it's like, I don't know. He could be there. He could be a top 10 pick. But I mean, take it a big center like that. I, if you want to take a six foot two setter in the first round, that's over a point a game in the dub. I think you could do worse at number eighteen. Uh, Danielson is a guy that I, I I think might be might be a bit of a sleeper pick, right? Like get him with some some skilled guys. He didn't have the best team and best line out there in Brandon, but he may might be somebody that pops later on there. Uh, the other one, and and I mean, it's so tough with defensemen too to figure out who's going where. Uh, he's not a big guy either, but that um, what's his Axel Sandine Pelica? Police, he can, yeah, he can skate. Like uh, I, I know I, I'm kind of a bit of a believer, and you need some six three, six four guys back there. But I mean, to have Morrissey and somebody like that, I mean, that's some elite mobility out there on the back end. It's tough to say if he's gonna fall that far. He's been in and around the team somewhere. But I think that would be a solid pick here for the Jets. I mean, they can really go anywhere. They kind of need a little bit of everything in their system. So um, I, I'm, I'm always BPA, but I think especially with where the Jets are right now, I mean, best player, let's figure it out a little bit later, defenseman forward, they can pretty much take their pick at number 18. And then I just wanted to toss in there to Tom Willinder too. Another, yeah. him and him and Axel Sandin Palika, very similar skill sets. And I think both would be, great ads to the Jets blue line 
Well, we're about 44 hours away from finding it all Ooh. out. We'll see how it plays out. And uh, yeah, that's where we'll leave it here. And that's what we'll get to when we get back to our next episode to wrap up this week. Until then, though, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates here on the Hockey Podcast Network. We'll get back at it Thursday morning, a little bit earlier, breaking down the first round of the NHL draft and whatever moves the Winnipeg Jets make in that time. So make sure to tune in for that one. It's going to be an absolute beauty and plenty to get into as well. Until then, though, we'll talk to you guys a little bit later. I'm Brandon Rewicki, joined once again by CJOB's Tyson Rewicki. We'll talk to you guys on Thursday. Enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy the draft, everybody. Let's have some fun here. Peace.